Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One racing. Mark Daly here on a very frustrating Wednesday evening. Guys, seriously, I sat down a couple of hours ago to get the show rolling. Kevin's not available tonight, so I thought, hey, you know, I'll I'll get started nice and early, get the show done in plenty of time and still have a bit of uh, some time to hang out and do some other things here before I call it a night. Anyhow, Two hours later, this massive Windows 10 update is finally installed, and uh, well, I'm ready to go. <laughs> a little bit later and a little bit more tired than I anticipated, but hey, that's just how it goes sometimes. So, what uh, an interesting race! we saw this past weekend. Well, maybe not uh, interesting from the the point of view on action on the track. Uh, well, maybe if uh, you're a big fan of uh, Max Verstappen, uh, there there was plenty of action, especially in those first couple of laps. But uh, I, I think we've seen again how uh, Lewis Hamilton is just one race at a time now, just putting one nail in the coffin of uh, Sebastian Vettel's title hopes and aspirations for 2018. The the, the British driver and the four-time world champion now has a 50-point lead over the Ferrari driver for Vettel with only five races left to go. And if it's not decided already, then I think depending what happens at the Japanese Grand Prix this weekend in Suzuka, we'll probably one way or another decide or indicate whether this is a a decided and a done deal or if uh, there's still some hope for Sebastian Vettel and Ferrari fans everywhere that uh, he'll be able to mount some sort of a comeback and take the fight back to Lewis Hamilton before the end of the season. But still plenty of news making the rounds in the F1 uh, paddock. The big uh, piece of news uh, really to come out or the big discussion or talking point from last weekend's Russian Grand Prix at the Sochi Autodrome was the team orders on, uh, well, it was all Valtteri Bottas did very very well to to really get this uh well he's very good at uh at at russia he's uh won it and he's been pretty good uh, there over the years was leading the race and was forced to relent and hand over the lead to lewis hamilton uh through in the the midpoint of the grand prix so there's been uh, quite a bit of a discussion about that uh, a lot of blowback actually from from what i've heard a lot of people not uh, too happy about that and honestly when i was watching that and you know i think i said a couple of weeks ago who am i to really criticize uh, and, and really 
uh, yeah, I guess criticizes the best word, criticize Lewis Hamilton and, and, and just Mercedes in general saying that they're, they're making Formula One boring when I was a big Michael Schumacher fan back in the day of the early 2000s and just how dominant Ferrari and Schumacher were at that time. But I really felt that although it wasn't as bad as Schumacher and Barrichello at the 2002 uh, Austrian Grand Prix, that was just really... <laughs> really shameful and talk about making that way too obvious and even Schumacher was a bit embarrassed on, uh, about that one afterwards and uh, wanted uh, Barrichello to take the top step on the podium it wasn't quite the, the same but it was a little bit it was a little bit awkward the way that uh, that Bottas even though he'd been uh, quite strong and obviously had the pace and was obviously faster than his teammate pulled over and just uh, handed the race lead over but I think you have to look at the bigger picture. If you're Lewis Hamilton, if you're Mercedes, you're now closing in on wrapping up two world championships again this year to really, uh, again, I guess once again, underline and, and really, uh, mar- I guess, yeah, really, yeah, I guess underline is the best word, really uh, bring that home, just how dominant you are and how you own Formula One. They've just, uh, they've been absolutely the masterclass of the series for the past several years. And to, to win another Drivers and Constructors Championship this year would be a huge uh, achievement for them, especially when it looked like for quite some time there that, uh, that Ferrari and Sebastian Vettel were really going to have uh, something to say about that. I know, I know, it's not completely over. There's still a lot of racing to be done, but with such a big gap, Sebastian Vettel's going to need all sorts of help, and uh, he's <laughs> can't really do it all on his own. Uh, Lewis is going to have to not finish some races. He's going to have to win some races to really pull that uh, that gap back. I mean, 50 points seems pretty insurmountable at uh, at this point of the year, and it now basically is just, uh, I, I think... It's uh, just a management game for Lewis now that uh, he just has to take it easy, keep his nose clean, and just hope that uh, the legendary Mercedes reliability doesn't let him down and he doesn't see a repeat of Austria this year or the Malaysian Grand Prix in 2016 when the big end on his car went. And, uh, well, that was it that day. And that's when the the momentum and basically the world championship went Nico Rosberg's way. And then he basically kind of nursed the rest of his season to take his one and only world champ. Championship. But yeah, it. I, I don't know what, uh, what what you guys really thought about the whole team order thing. I think that you have to do that, uh, like I say, because if you don't now and something happens and say Vettel is able to mount a, a comeback, because if uh, he'd finished second behind uh, Botas, Hamilton that is, he would have uh, ended the, the race only 43 points ahead of uh, Sebastian Vettel, where of course now he has the 25, which is uh, two race wins. And say something happens, they he gets into an accident or he has uh, his engine or his gearbox, some sort of mechanical issue forces him out of the points or he doesn't finish a race and then Vettel comes back and pips him to the line and just, you know, sneaks that world championship away from him, then there would be some very, very embarrassed people at uh, Mercedes. So you can completely understand why they did it. And well, the the thing is too, I mean, it's going to be difficult, so very difficult for Sebastian Vettel. Not only is he really fighting with Lewis Hamilton, but again, this past weekend, so he, he was able to get past Lewis after the pit stop, which was, uh, it was really, really tight. But of course, he couldn't make that 
that moves uh, stick. And then, well, I mean, Mercedes was just better than Ferrari all weekend. Uh, once again, they were they were quicker in qualifying, quicker during the race, not by a blindingly huge amount uh, of speed, but they have been just a little bit better than Ferrari the past couple of races, and that's all it's uh, really taken. And uh, what what looked like really really strong form for the Scuderia in the in the middle part of the summer, and at Spa, and uh, even again at Monza, and then well, of course, maybe that's a, a result, uh, a race that uh, Vettel uh, threw away, being a little bit too reckless and trying to take things, sticking his nose in there and uh, colliding with Lewis Hamilton on that opening. Uh, lap when they had that advantage there's just been too many points dropped by Sebastian Vettel so uh, but uh, like I say he does need all sorts of help but his teammate Kimi Raikkonen just isn't able to even match him for for speed so being that further back behind and Vettel scrapping not only with uh, with Lewis Hamilton but also has to to deal with Valtteri Bottas his teammate in the second Mercedes car and that's going to be very very difficult uh, of course at Sochi last Last weekend, uh, Sebastian just couldn't get close enough to really fight uh, with with Botas and get uh, past him. Kind of a little bit uh, reminiscent, I think, of the uh, Hungarian Grand Prix earlier this year. And even though he was able to get past him later in the race, he just did not have the pace to, to really get close to the, uh, the the Mercedes cars and uh, and put a, a move uh, not only on Hamilton, but uh, even for second place and, and challenge Botas uh, for that one. So obviously uh, a very tricky situation and it's, it's, it's really slipping away. I mean, Vettel is saying all the right things as are the team, but honestly, really there, there's not a lot that they can do now unless they, they get some help. <clears throat> I thought there was one interesting uh, thing that came out uh, after the race. Well, a couple of things. Hamilton did say that he was willing to give the win back to uh, Valtteri Bottas later in the year. I guess uh, once he has the, 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 the championship sewn up and it's all all safe. And uh, Bottas said that he's not really all that eager or keen to do that. I mean, he's a racer. He wants to win the, the, the race fair and square. And uh, he was the better, quicker guy at, uh, at the Russian Grand Prix. But fate just took that one away from him and I think that he wants to beat if he if he's going to win a race and beat Lewis Hamilton he wants to do it fair and square and do it on the track and and not as a because of a uh, some sort of a team orders or Lewis maybe not racing as hard as he needs to or letting him by whatever the case may be I think that uh, Valtteri like anybody else especially any other of the other uh, 19 drivers on the F1 grid would just want to win that and beat his uh, teammates uh, straight up and, uh, and fair and square so you can understand understand uh, that sentiment from uh, from Valtteri Bottas and Hamilton himself he made uh, an interesting uh, comment he suggested that uh, well I, I think we all know that uh, Sochi isn't the most exciting uh, racetrack and it's uh, <laughs> there really isn't a lot of passing although this year obviously there was a lot more than last year or previous years of course uh, the the bulk of those overtakes were were provided by Max Verstappen who was just having a moment I mean <laughs> he's just showing uh, again each and every week and just uh, how good he is. And uh, I'm, I'm very impressed with Max. I'll be quite uh, honest with you. I, I thought that he was uh, quite rash and impatient and maybe a little bit impetuous earlier in the year. But after the Monaco Grand Prix, he's really cleaned up his act and uh, he, he's been a lot more responsible. And uh, it's it's obviously showing if you look at the standings now in the World uh, Drivers' Championship and uh, you have... Uh, 
Well, Max is, uh, he's closing in a little bit on Kimi Raikkonen in fourth place. Uh, Kimi's got 186 points and uh, Max has 158. And he's pulling away uh, a little bit from his teammate, uh, Danny Ricardo, who has 134 for the, the, the th- sixth and final spot. And of course, these top six spots are obviously going to be Mercedes, Ferrari or Red Bull drivers. And then there's a huge drop off to K-Mag in the Haas, who has 53 points in seventh in the World Drivers Championship. It just really is amazing. Just a gap between those uh, three teams. And obviously the gap between Red Bull and Ferrari and uh, and Mercedes at the top. I mean, there, there, there really are only... I'd say two teams that are really capable of uh, making a serious challenge for a race win each and every weekend. That's Mercedes and that's Ferrari. Uh, Red Bull obviously have had their moments uh, throughout the years to, or throughout the year. Obviously, throughout the years they've done very well, but uh, they they have won several races this year, and they're 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 good for it when uh, conditions are just right or the track is suited to their car. They have a couple of uh, very quick guys uh, that are driving for them, and uh, they can definitely get uh, race wins. But yeah, Max is uh, providing those moments, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of the way he scythed his way through the field, through the pack at the uh, the Brazilian Grand Prix. I guess it was in 2016 the one where it was absolutely pouring with rain and they stopped it for a, a little while. That was the one that was uh, Felipe Massa's final race, but not really <laughs> because of, uh, so yeah, that would have been 2016 because of uh, Nico Rosberg's shock retirement at the end of the year and all that sort of changing around and Botas taking the second seat at, uh, at, at Mercedes and all those things. But uh, just Max that day was very, very impressive, just charging through the field and passing people left, right and center and anywhere he found uh, an advantage. So he does have a, a way of making a, it exciting. And if Lewis gets his way at Sochi, his his suggestion was to reverse uh, the, the flow or the, the direction of the race rather than going around in a clockwise direction. He's suggesting going counterclockwise just because the, the, the way that the lap is and the temperatures of the cars and the temperatures of the tires, just when you get to the end of the, the, the lap, you're just not really able to, to really close that gap and really make a, a serious challenge or a push for a, a, a pass and obviously we've seen that over the past couple of years that's not really the most exciting place to watch a Grand Prix and uh, definitely not really too much action on the track but you know talking about action on the track there's a, another suggestion going around that uh, the FIA and and Liberty Media the commercial rights owners of Formula One are thinking about changing up qualifying and well the good news is that they're not going back to that knockout style that they had a couple of years ago which was absolutely I mean it was great in theory but practically speaking it didn't really work where basically you know you'd have all 20 cars go out at once and then they'd start kind of chopping off people but in reality what happened was that uh, the guys realized that they weren't going to be able to to stay ahead of that 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 cutoff line and you had uh basically <laughs> guys walking around the pits in their jeans and caps on after they just thought well you know i'm not going to make it so i'm on the fringe here i'm just going to call it a day and uh that that's it and quite often we, we saw the uh, uh what should be kind of an exciting time the qualifying session was uh, was really really boring and they only stuck with 
with it for a couple of races before going back to the tried and tested and true uh, three qualifying sessions that's uh, been in place for for many many years now. But the uh, the idea that's being tossed around at the moment is uh, kind of similar, but uh, it's uh, instead of having three qualifying sessions, there would be four. They would be shorter in length, and there would be shorter uh, periods of uh, or. or breaks uh, between each session and instead of having a top 10 shootout in q3 you'd have a i think it was a top eight shootout in q4 so uh, it's still to be seen whether or not uh, they'll be able to pull that off and and, and do that or whether or not it's even going to happen but they are definitely looking at uh, at uh, at least trying it out or or studying the feasibility of it and i'm all for it if uh, maybe that's not the, the the final form it takes maybe not that's not what uh, the qualifying needs but if if they can find a way to improve on what they have without ruining it uh, and uh, making the spectacle more and just maybe adding a bit of unpredictability to the proceedings because sometimes it's it just seems a, a foregone conclusion to, depending which track it is oh this is going to be uh, more suited to the Mercedes or the Ferrari whoever it is uh, if they if they can mix that uh, that that race or that qualifying order up I think it'd be a, a wonderful thing so uh, we'll wait and see whether or not uh, that is uh, the final form it takes or somebody very very smart and wise can figure out uh, something even better anyways time for a quick break don't go away we'll be right back after this short word from our sponsors all right. Well, still plenty of things going on in Formula One that uh, that uh, need to be uh, discussed. And uh, well, just to just to finish up uh, my thoughts in the previous segment about uh, Max Verstappen, even Red Bull Racing uh, principal Christian Horner said that he's impressed with the quote unquote maturing Max Verstappen and Max, who turned twenty one this past weekend, seems like. That kind of shocks me a little bit because, I mean, Max has been in F1 for for several years now. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's going to be the way his whole career that he'll always remind me of that uh, sort of 18-year-old uh, when he broke into F1. And uh, within a very short uh, period of time was a competitive, quick and uh, exciting driver to watch. And, uh, of course, winning that first uh, Grand Prix of his career at the Spanish Grand Prix a couple of uh, years ago. Anyways, moving along here. It's uh, come out in uh, recent days that Racing Point, which is the uh, consortium led by Lawrence Stroll, Lance Stroll's father, that bought uh, Sahara Force India uh, earlier, or or yeah, earlier this year, in <laughs> the latter part of the summer, paid 90 million pounds sterling to take over the, the team. And they were getting pretty thin. The, the money was starting to run out at the time that uh, Racing Point took over the, the, the team. They only had about uh, 240,000 pounds in the bank, which I think to 99.99% of the people listening to the show seems like a hell of a lot of money. And of course it is. But uh, they were just uh, not it was not a lot of money because they had wages coming up they had some certain expenses to uh to uh, to, to to cover and they ended up getting a five million pound uh, loan from their sponsor bwt and uh, that helped them through anyways uh, of course uh the the interesting part is if you want to go it, it's on all the all the big f1f uh, websites and some of these things i find a little bit boring but uh, basically it uh, kind of goes through the, the the explains the deal how Stroll and his uh, partners were able to to buy the team and and wrested away from uh, VJ Malia, the former team principal of Force India, who's uh, 
wanted to be extradited to India to face uh, taxes or was it tax evasion and fraud, stuff like that. Some very unpleasant business, of course, which he uh, denies. So it, it just the, the whole thing as, you know, Malia's uh, situation as it pertained to the F1 team was that the revenue, the money coming in was kind of a, it was a bit of a trickle and they were disappointing uh, th- this year, right up until the end of the summer break because they, they had dropped back in the race order. They, it was obvious that uh, the situation was affecting them they were not I, i'd say they're one of the best of the rest teams you know they they, they might not have uh, been like that that fourth best team on the grid but they were certainly making that argument in uh, the the past several years but this year obviously that situation was uh, hampering them and they were it, it felt to me and looked to me that they seemed to be contesting the world championship this year with one arm tied behind their back and of course as soon as stroll and his consortium took over the team and gave them that injection, that lifeblood of, uh, of revenue and uh, and a way to cover their costs and and, and pay their bills, that the uh, that the the competitive side uh, came back and just uh, the the cars immediately started to spring back up and, and move back up the grid again, which is uh, great to see. And uh, I hate watching teams in F one struggle, and uh, uh, this year was uh, that that was Force India. Of course, uh, we've seen in recent years teams either folding or you know manufacturers leaving the series and i'm glad that uh, that stroll and his partners found a way to keep them in f1 so of course uh, it remains to be seen what happens with his son lance who's at uh, at williams i mean come on i mean i know they haven't confirmed any of their drivers for 2019 i should say uh, as of yet but it just seems pretty logical that uh, considering how awful williams is and how awesome it is if you're lance stroll that is of course it's a good thing to be lance stroll but if uh, your dad is the guy that helped by Force India, a team that even uh, without, well, obviously without uh, Lance or uh, Lawrence Stroll's money uh, before this year was a competitive team. I think uh, if you're Lance, you're looking at that opportunity uh, to, to move into one of those two cars. Obviously, it seems that uh, another foregone conclusion that Sergio Perez will drive the, the other car at Force India and Esteban Ocon, who looks like he's set for a third driver or reserve driver role for 2019 will still remain with the team but uh, definitely if you're Lance Stroll moving from Williams to Force Point or sorry Racing Point Force India would be a, a step in the right direction because uh, Williams is <laughs> going in the wrong direction each and every weekend and I was watching the uh was about a week ago I was watching the 1987 British Grand Prix and uh it's just amazing if you go back and I know it's all relative and it's everybody's, uh, <laughs> I guess, uh, the, the perspective on how time flies. But it doesn't really seem like that long ago when I was a kid watching those races. But it was amazing just how dominant the Williams Honda was at that time. And I know that it was a bizarre era of Formula One because you had the turbo power cars on one side. And then you also had the, uh, the, the normally aspirated three and a half liter cars on the other side. And you basically had, uh, two different championships being run with, uh, within each other. But actually, I should say it was the 1986 British Grand Prix. Uh, anyways, it was a, a pretty cool thing uh, to watch, but they were just uh, amazing. You know, they're, they're like five or six laps into the race and they're also, they're already lapping everybody. And by the, uh, the end of the race, uh, Mansell and Piquet, I think they basically lapped 
wrapped everybody up to third place, which I think might have been Ayrton Senna if I memory serves correct. But uh, uh, I might be, uh, you might have to correct me uh, on that one. But the other thing, just uh, on a bit of a tangent here before I get back to uh, the, the more current news, is uh, not only how dominant that the, the Williams were, and then uh, after that is when uh, McLaren's heyday started in the late 80s and early 90s, but also just the reliability of the cars. And just even after a couple of laps, how cars are blowing up and transmissions are failing and and all sorts of uh, different things happening. And just the, the high amount of uh, attrition and the, the number of cars that would not finish a race in, the, in those days is uh, completely mind-blowing. Uh, nowadays, uh, the, the, the amount of cars that uh, do retire from mechanical issues are a lot less than it was in those times. I mean, we, we've had the odd occasional race where we've seen a large number of uh, the, the, the grid drop out in the course of the, the course of the race, but that always seems to be the exception rather than the rule. So interesting. And then also just the tires. <laughs> it's just amazing, you know, listening to, to Murray Walker and James Hunt talk about strategies going on to, in the mid to late 1980s and just how they were talking at one point about, um, you know, PK and just his pit strategy and Mansell came in for uh, fresh tires about uh, a little, I think it was about halfway through the race. And then I think he did something ridiculous I think he said he broke the lap record every lap for 11 laps shortly after taking on fresh tires and then PK stayed out and uh, he never did actually make a pit stop and that was a thing back then not only uh, do you have like you you have nowadays that you have to run both the harder harder and softer uh, compound tires throughout the race you got to use uh, both but then it was uh, it was your choice whether or not you wanted to change for tires (laughs) or not and then that's that that was one thing that just kind of blew my mind but also just the fact that they were actually making tires with compounds that were durable enough to uh, to, to to last the entire length uh, of a race of several hundred uh, kilometers and also with all the stresses and all, all the things that uh, Formula One cars put their tires through was a, a real reminder uh, of something I actually to be quite honest I'd completely forgotten about so that was uh, it was pretty cool to see. All right. Well, uh, moving along, uh, there is still uh, a little bit uh, of uh, news uh, regarding uh, Force India and uh, Haas. Uh, F1 hints that there's been progress made on the the prize money row. What with uh, Racing Point taking over Force India, it basically becomes a new team. They had to forfeit points and they're not able to uh, qualify to receive Category 1 points and prize money, I should say, uh, for two years. So there's this concern that Force India will become like a, a satellite team or a junior team to Mercedes, which has uh, some of the, uh, the the independent teams, and even the one of the manufacturers, uh, Renault, uh, has the, has has some com- uh, concerned about that. So uh, there has been some resistance from other teams in the paddock to uh, let uh, Force India go back to basically where they were. I mean, they're they're still in the same factory; they still have all the same people working there, the same drivers. But uh, legally, from uh, from from the, the the business side of things, it is a brand new team. And that uh, does have an effect on uh, on certain things. And of course, having to forfeit uh, those points, uh, not only from this year up until this point, uh, well, the drivers uh, were allowed to keep theirs, I believe, but uh, the, the points that they had in the Constructors' uh, Championship uh, were, were reset. But uh, they're, they're plugging along and still uh, making points. And they've been doing, obviously, been uh, you know quite good 
uh, over the past uh, several races and uh, where they were basically reset to zero uh, a month or so ago. They already have 35 points in the World Championship, which puts them currently in uh, seventh, which has put them ahead of uh, Williams, ahead of Sauber, and ahead of uh, Scuderia Toro Rosso. And uh, actually, they're they're starting to catch up uh, McLaren, who are in sixth in the Constructors' Championship with uh, 58 points. So kind of an interesting uh, situation, but also an interesting glance into the the, the politics and the, the the power struggles in Formula One and just the way that uh, things happen behind uh, closed doors. All right, and then talking about Haas, uh, they were uh, they they finally have a date of uh, November confirmed to have their appeal for Roman Grosjean's uh, disqualification at Monza uh, a month or so ago. Uh, heard uh, he was uh, disqualified because uh, the the floor, even though it was uh, it was uh, it was uh, ruled uh, illegal by the, the the stewards at Monza, they claimed that they didn't have enough time to act on the. Um, the clarification that came out from the FIA and make a, and, and comply with it. Uh, they had some sort of what they called a gentleman's agreement with, uh, with Renault, who turned out to be the team that ratted them out to the scrutineers and, uh, by which, uh, Ro- Rogro was, uh, <laughs> was disqualified from the race. And of course, uh, I think he, I think he finished sixth or thereabouts, if uh, memory serves correct, uh, in that race. So obviously, uh, forfeiting a, a number of points that would be, uh, important not only to his season, but uh, to the team. Anyways, uh, we'll see in in a couple of weeks what comes out of that, if anything. Just kind of an interesting kind of thing uh, to hear about. And uh, Grosjean, he's in the news, of course. uh, He's uh, coming back to Haas for another year in 2019. He's been there with the team since their first uh, season in Formula One in 2016. And he said that uh, his German Grand Prix weekend was the, uh, the, the real turning point in his year. Of course, he had a couple of big moments that made headlines for all the wrong reasons. And that was a crashing behind the safety car at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and then uh, taking out several cars after he spun into turn three at Barcelona at the Spanish Grand Prix earlier this year but uh, he said after the the, the German Grand Prix he had uh, basically the, the the gist of it is that uh, he feels like he got his mojo back he got back on form and he's all good to go again so Rogro and K-Mag will be back for another year at Haas for 2019 and uh, just to wrap things up now, Zandvoort, the home of the Dutch Grand Prix, which was last held in 1985, said that they need minimal changes to uh, get back on uh, for a Formula One return. So that would be uh, kind of cool to see. A bit of a shorter track, but an interesting and a, kind of a cool circuit. Uh, Red Bull have had some uh, event days there and have taken some of their uh, older cars uh, for demonstrations around the track. And of course, the Dutch fans uh, love Max Verstappen and uh uh, they, I mean, they, they they go to all the races that uh, that are close enough. I mean, we've seen thousands, tens of thousands of them at Spa and at Hockenheim, at the Hungaro Ring. And uh, I think, obviously, <laughs> if they got the Dutch Grand Prix back on track, that there would be a sea of orange of all the uh, the Dutch and uh, Max Verstappen fans. So it'll be cool to see. So we'll wait and see. There's no news, of course, on Miami. That seems to be in a bit of limbo at the moment. It's kind of been put on the back burner with the city council there when they decide what to do, even though they've publicly said that they want to host a race. Uh, they're still trying to figure out whether it's feasible. So basically that one is on ice for now. Hanoi, that's kind of not really going anywhere. So kind of cool to see uh, Zanfort uh, back on the map. Whether or not they can get a Grand Prix back there remains to be seen. 
Anyways, guys, like I said, I apologize just for a bit of a shorter show this week, but uh, it's getting very late here and I've got to be up early to go to my nine to five. So this is a, <laughs> this is where I'm leaving it off for this week. So anyways, thank you very much for listening. If you want to get in touch, you throw me a tweet at f one pod on Twitter. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Scuderia F1 pod and do us a big favor leave us a rating review on the the podcast platform of your choice where you download and listen to the show and I just want to extend my gratitude and Kevin's uh, gratitude as well to all of you uh, the, the show has been growing every month and the past two months have been the best two months we've ever had uh, we've got uh, listeners all over the world and we appreciate each and every one of you but amazingly 50% of our listeners are in the United States so an extra special thank you to all of you because you make up the bulk of our listeners and our fellow F1 fans so once again thanks to you all for supporting us it makes it uh, worthwhile enjoyable to do what we do knowing that there's so many of you listening so thanks very much for that guys anyways that's a wrap my name is Mark Daly on behalf of myself and my co-host Kevin Laramie who will be back next week thank you very much for listening and until next time enjoy the Japanese Grand Prix and we'll talk to you again soon Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, SportsPodcastingNetwork.com. space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from?